Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Flames Nation Radio, episode 45. I'm Ryan. He's Shane, wearing a sweet hat. Hi, Shane. Hey, everybody. As usual, we're delivered by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery's Rimpage Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Uh, it's world junior season for some reason in August. It's pandemic years, folks, where two years feels like 20 and it's the world juniors. Uh, we're originally the 2022 world juniors were held in December from boxing day to June or to January, whatever. But of course, a few days into that tournament, uh, for various reasons, everyone got COVID and they had to reschedule. So, uh, Flames prospect uh, Matt Coronado is the only representative of the Calgary Flames at this tournament. Uh, so th- this is the, I love the consistency, Shane. So the first game that the United States played in the, la- in the 1.0 version of the 2022 world juniors, Matt Coronado had a pretty nice assist. And in the first game against Germany of 2.0 world juniors, 2022, he had a pretty nice assist. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. If uh, folks, if you were watching, uh, check the TSN feed, check the, check the flame station, Twitter feed as we're trying to post uh, Coronado highlights as often as they appear. And thankfully with Coronado, he's good. (laughs) That happens a fair amount. (laughs) So let me just set the stage folks. uh, And you know, it'd be helpful if, uh, if while you're listening to this, open another tab in your browser and just watch the, uh, the zone entry on a loop because it's just a thing of beauty. So Matt Coronado, uh, the United States are on a five uh, on a five minute power play, and Coronado is on the second line for Team USA with uh, Matt Knees and uh, Logan Cooley. Cooley, Cooley, Cooley. Uh, yep. Uh, Matt Knees is a uh, Toronto Maybe. prospect. Uh, yeah. Logan Cooley, uh, probably our buddy Mike Gould has uh, you know pictures of him on his on his locker with uh, hearts drawn. His phone screen is just Logan good. Cooley right now. Logan him and Cooley Dylan good. Gunther. Yeah, we're, Logan Cooley very good, and Coronado. Uh, so Coronado, uh, during the second unit power play, uh, during uh, during the first period of this game, he just he, he goes to the neutral zone. And, you know, if you're going to the neutral zone, it's he has the awareness to, to notice that, hey, I have some room here. So he just says, I'm just going to go into the zone and see how far they let me get. And one of uh, Germany's defenders tries to contest the zone entry just by sort of skating towards him and sort of moving in for a poke check. And poke check to the board. With, yeah. yeah. And without breaking stride he basically whooshes to one side whooshes to the other side doesn't lose speed doesn't lose puck control just full speed ahead goes whoop and there's right around him and then puts a 
pass right on the stick of Logan Cooley for a nice goal. Had it is, all day to make that pass too. Yeah, like. And he had all day to make that pass because one, it's a power play. So they have more room. And two, he he's smart defender. enough to know how to get this, how to open himself up time and space. Um, we have been talking about Matt Coronado a since he was drafted because he was very, very good in his draft year and B especially since I'd say about February of this of uh, 22, mm-hmm. because Duh. a couple of his teammates went to the Olympics. Uh, the NHL did uh, the NHL for various reasons, mostly pandemic related, uh, decided not to send its players to China for the Olympics. And that opened the door for a lot of players uh, like a couple of Harvard's players. And for Coronado, Coronado went from being, you know, a, a good middle six guy for Harvard. He was good, not guy. great. He was reliable. He was good. He was trending upward. But you, he was one of those guys you could go, man, next season, when he gets more ice time, he's going to be very good. Next season came very quickly for him because a couple of his teammates went off to the Olympics and he got a bigger role. He was on the power play more often, penalty kill more often, first unit everything, basically. And he was the reason why Harvard made the uh, NCAA tournament. national tournament. Uh, Harvard was, by the pairwise uh, – the, the the NCAA for folks who are are you know, weirdly aware of the nuances of how they see the the national tournament, uh, they use what's called the pairwise system, which essentially looks at uh, your team's record against the teams below them. And essentially, if you're tops and pairs wise, that means you beat everybody, and that means you beat all the guys that uh, beat the other teams too. So basically, you get the wins of the teams that you beat. Mm-hmm. So Harvard was they were okay. They were an above average to fairly good college team. But in their own conference, they're about, I'd say, fourth, third or fourth. I think they were good. Fourth. They were in the mix. But they pairwise rankings-wise, they are about 18th, 19th before the tournament. So they were yeah. in a situation where they had to win their regional tournament, their, their conference tournament, to get the automatic berth in the national championship. Because the, the national championship tournament is the conference champions and then basically the remaining best teams in the pairwise. And if they were just a remaining team, they wouldn't have made it. So because Matt Coronado went on a heater for the last two months of the season, especially during three, four weeks in the playoffs, they made the national tournament. Uh, They didn't go very far in the national tournament, but they made it because he was, he just basically became their best player for two months and said, you know, I'm, I'm leading the way boys jump on my back. And, and so, he got that beautiful overtime winner to get him to the frozen four too. Like oh, yeah. round eight, he, he come out, come on top of the circles, turn around and just sniped one right in through traffic. It was yeah, like they, they made the national tournament because he was clutch. Yep. He was so clutch. He and so found the space. He found, like you said, he found space out there. And went, he has a goal scorer's mentality. He, he actually, in the, in the first game against Germany, he led the USA in shots on goal. Uh, so, I mean, he's a volume shooter, but as you've seen, he shoots from anywhere around the net. So he's, he's the kind of guy where, you know, he's, he's going back to school this year and most players who go back to Harvard or who play in Harvard usually go for two years, two years is about average for Harvard players. Unless you're really, really amped up about school, you go for two years. If you're really amped up about school, maybe over three, three tops. But if you're back Coronado, uh, like you, you hate to say that the flames losing Gaudreau and Kachuk was a blessing in disguise because I don't think it really impacted their ability to add a Coronado. Let's say the NCAA championship, the NCAA, uh, you know, the regular season ends at the end of February playoffs about two, three weeks after that. So, so like we're in late March. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we're thinking like two weeks after the trade deadline, two, three weeks after the trade deadline is when uh, everything but the, the, the national championship tournament, like the final four, the national semis and national final have happened. So unless Harvard goes to the, to the, the, the big dance, unless they make the final four and they might, cause they're going to be a good team this year. Realistically, Matt Coronado could be joining the flames by about mid-March, mid to late March. And yeah. if you're the flames, you go, mm, you know, he's physically, he seems to have taken a step. He seems a bit faster. He seems he's a bit thicker. Uh, we saw him on that goal that got disallowed, just sort of crashing and banging in front of the net. He's willing to park himself in front of the net and take some abuse in order to get a goal. Uh, so that's a good sign, but he's, he's also a guy that potentially he's going to be a key, if not the key player on a good to very good college program, and then gets tapped on the shoulder and, you know, we'll probably fly out Conroy to sign to a contract because that's what Connie always seems to do. Father but Christmas. I, yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes for him because he's starting off, you know, you're starting it off with a, a fairly big time tournament, big time hockey. And Grant, he plays one game, the game, uh, the second game for the United States is on Thursday night against Latvia or against Switzerland. Switzerland, Switzerland. yep. And Switzerland uh, did, uh, Switzerland played a good, a good they, game against the uh, Swedes. Yeah, on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, yeah. Sweden won 3-2 against Switzerland. But Switzerland, you know, for anyone who's been following international hockey, uh, it's basically the story of the last few years have been, you know, Czechia has been good. Slovakia the last couple of years has really come on. Uh, but the Czechs or the, uh, the Swiss have been really consistent for probably the last 10, 15 years. Basically, you know, anyone old enough to remember Sven Berici's draft year, that, the, the, this, this push for, for Swiss hockey into the upper tier of international hockey, especially junior hockey, has been going on for about a decade, decade and a half. And they're legit. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they don't win a lot, but they're in every game. They make it, it work for it. It helps when you get players that rise to prominence like Roman Yossi and Nico Hischier and, and icons from your country that the kids can look up to and, and spark interest in the game over there. So Hischier going first overall, Yossi turning into a stud. They were talking about even getting 100 points this last year with yeah. like 15 games to go, and it was very possible. So, yeah. And honestly, like it's good for Switzerland. You know, we, we, we talk about representation in a lot of different aspects and a lot of different respects, and representation in every possible meaning of the sense of the word is really important. Just ask two random white dudes from Canada. But yeah. I'd say representation for smaller c- countries, international hockey, like Germany, don't undersell how important it is for grassroots hockey in Germany to have Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. as a damn good tippity top player to have mm-hmm. Austin Matthews for hockey in, in the Sun Belt. to, you know, I think any, any time you can have communities, uh, places of the world, any, any kind of representation, any kind of increased representation in places that haven't historically been involved in hockey, it just makes the game better. You know, and we, we talked about women's hockey in the past and when, you know, probably when, when there's more, you know, high end international hockey to talk about during the year, we'll do our best to talk about it. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll twist some arms and get someone to come on with us who's more credible than us to talk about it. Because, you know, we, women's hockey is just fun, just like, you know, junior hockey most of the time is very fun. But I just think, you know, it's, it's so cool to see. Germany, Switzerland, like, remember, remember that year, was it, they, uh, the year that, uh, I'm going to butcher, I, I'm going to misremember the year. So I apologize. All my, you went, you're talking about the year they went to the final four. No, I was talking about that too, but I'm talking about, remember, remember uh, the Japanese team uh, during, I do. Yeah. And uh, the, actually I remember vividly uh, the, the last women's uh, last women's tournament in Japan, in, uh, in Japan, 
and and I remember like the the women's women's team scored a bunch of goals. I don't think they went one at all or very much, but just like the the cool thing for seeing you know th- that home crowd to see their home country score goals in the Olympics. So I'm just I'm you know I'm I'm so jazzed to see smaller countries and countries that haven't had international success find ways of breaking through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Latvia is only in this tournament this time because right. of the Russia and Belarus of it all, which you know it's. They're, they're here. They're here for shitty reasons, but it's not, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to see what Latvia can do with this opportunity because, you know, they're, well, they pushed they're, Canada a bit today. Like yeah. it was one, one after one and they only lost five, two, I think uh, to, to a Canadian team with a generational talent on it. So yeah. like Connor Bedard is nuts people. He's yeah. nuts. But that's, but that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, I, I think sometimes we look at things from sort of like the, the, the North American perspective being like, yeah, Canada, Canada, and now to a lesser extent, the United States are always good and they're always expected to be good. Same with Sweden. Like there's three or four countries that are always going to be good. Sweden, and we, Russia, think, US, Canada is kind of the main four. Finland kind and of Finland, Finland's sort of the fifth fifth team. Yeah. But but now I think like it's I I I any any if if you find yourself at home with not much going on, turn on some of these games, watch as much as you feel comfortable or, or able to watch. Mm-hmm. But just the it's so important for some of these smaller countries having these good showings against these bigger countries against Canada the US like these are the teams that you know it's like it's like if you're playing the Stanley Cup champions and you're a rebuilding team you want to see how far you can push them you want to see if you can do it because pushing these teams is going to be huge for their development uh and I'm going to say don't be shy to watch some games that are not maybe Canada US or Canada involved I uh I went to the entire world juniors when it was in Calgary in 2012 I went to every single game including uh Latvia was at that tournament too and I found out that there was this young player he was really young at the time named Zemgis Gergensens and I was like that kid's pretty good I was only 18 but I was like that kid's pretty good he looks like he could play in the show and the pride of Latvia years later he's been a staple he's only fourth line guy but I mean you need those in the NHL Guys and honestly, like, jobs, so. you know, like, uh, you know, think about Norway, like Norway has, you know, uh, Emilio Pet- Peterson knocking on the door for NHL job at some point, but like, think about how, think about how important it was for that country. Matt Zuccarello just making it. Oh, like, and, that's, and, a, that's incredible. Like it's so and his comeback story, like, and Zuccarello's comeback. Zuccarello had to relearn how to speak. Just he had a, a brain, a he had a brain injury. But yeah, he's, he's nuts, and he's a, just, he's a legit national hero in Norway because yeah. he broke through. He broke with the first guy to break through, and I'm just who's next for Norway? Who's next for for Latvia? Who's next? like that, those are the, some of the, That's the question, exciting right? exciting stories that come out of these tournaments? And like Slovakia, five ten oh, years ago was where Latvia is now, and so well, in the Czech Republic. If you just watch the Holinka, the Czech Republic's got this kid coming. And it was doing amazing things over there they've got a few of them but uh edward sale that kid uh that kid put on a show he put on a show and make no mistake you're gonna hear his names in the first round rankings all all the way through because he he did some things that he got noticed (laughs) and that's why these tournaments matter for these young guys because not a lot of scouts can get over there to watch them on a day-to-day basis and if they show up and they perform against the the best level of competition that's at their age, it goes a long way. So they're motivated, even though this tournament's in the middle of the summer, the players are motivated. It's still some of the best hockey you can watch. Uh, and, and to be very polite as to not uh, cast aspersions on the tournament necessarily, 
the, the tournament runs until August 20th. If you've watched uh, television, you've seen good seats are still available. If you go to the, if you're in the Edmonton <laughs> yeah. area, you got some time, you want to check out some hockey, uh, you know, world, world juniors, put on your shades. The brightest stars in junior hockey are going to be playing this summer again until August 20th. So check it out. Uh, Shane, here's my question for you, sir. So uh, obviously the flames have a few pretty good prospects knocking on the door we mentioned coronado and i'm really curious your perspective like uh disclosure at the site uh starting in about a week we're going to start counting down the top 20 flames prospects that we see uh we had uh, we did our annual panel we all voted now we're counting we're going to be counting down uh, i believe the first uh edition of that countdown uh the folks who didn't get votes uh starts on august 15th so this coming monday and runs straight through till uh, till basically when training camp starts. But Shane, so we're going to spoil some of this, but this won't be a surprise. The top two or three guys, you know, we talked about Coronado. Coronado is in the mix for the top two or three. The other two guys who get a lot of representation and on the on our voting and mm-hmm. got a lot of buzz last season were Dustin Wolf, the reigning American Hockey League goaltender of the year, uh, and obligated all, all contractually players. obligated to call him that. And Jacob Helche, the uh, who's on the all rookie team. So my question is: so right now, who do you see as the Flames' top prospect amongst those three? Unless there's someone I'm not, I'm not mentioning, but amongst the, I, I think uh, amongst our voting panel, most of everyone had those three guys: one, two, three, in some order. I I was the oddball, and believe it or not, I had Dustin Wolf. I was the only one who didn't have Dustin Wolf ranked one. Um, that's because goalies are voodoo, even though he's, he, Dustin Wolf has been and won at every level he's played so far, goalies are still voodoo. And I like a good forward that is producing as more of a surefire shot than a goaltender. I, I've, I've said it before and I stole it from Daryl. I know two things about goalies, big saves, bad goals. Dustin Wolf tends to do both really well. So he still ranks high in my books. I am not going to understate what Jonathan Huberto being here will do for Jacob Pelche and his growth. Uh, but I still pick Coronado. I still, it's still Coronado to me. I think he's got that little extra that they haven't had for a long time. He's got a, he is a, like we talked about it. We, we talked about his past there. He's still a pure shooter. He said he shoots from everywhere. Well, it's because he's got the, if you're the guy with the best shot on the ice, you should be shooting the puck. I'll say, and I'll say this. I'll usually. say this. So Dustin Wolf has been the top goaltender in the league he's been playing in for the last three years. And for me, the big question, I didn't have Coronado one. And the reason I didn't have Coronado one is simply just, I don't know how it's going to translate to the pros. And that's nothing against him. Cause I quite, I'm like, okay, he was really good Mm -hmm. in the USHL. Will he be able to do that against grown ass men in a very good college conference? And the answer was the first part of the season, yeah, somewhat. And then at the end of the year, definitely yes. He he adjust. He made very nice adjustments. And to be honest, he made adjustments when he was going from prep league hockey in New York and New Jersey to Dude, playing yes. in the USHL, a very yes. good league in a very good program. So I think that. But here's here's the, the reason why I had uh, got to Wolf ahead. And I, I toyed. I can't remember where I had uh, had Pelche. I had Pelche very high. Yeah, you, you three. I have it up here. You, yeah, so you Pel- had Wolf okay. Coronado Pelche. Wolf so, Coronado Pelche was unanimous top three amongst all of us. Yeah. Just so Pel- Pelche. The thing with Pelche is I don't know if Pelche will have the impact ceiling that 
Coronado could or Wolf could because the goalie, if he translates, he basically dictates the game. And Coronado is a goal scorer's goal scorer. But Wolf has never played the NHL. He's sat in on the bench twice and gotten paid fairly well for it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know he he did he did everything he could possibly ask a, a 21, 20, 21 year old goaltender to do in the American League. Uh, and you know you can make a good case for for Coronado having one of the better one of the better freshman seasons of uh, you know I don't think he was quite Johnny Gaudreau good his freshman year, but no. Johnny Gaudreau's a, a freak. He's a freak of nature. Johnny Gaudreau is a unicorn. I but, call them unicorns. But, but like look at come look, along with everyone. The reason why I I'm really high on Pelche, and I think Pelche deserves his due, is because Pelche has been Jacob Pelche. He came in as a 16, 17 year old in the queue. He was at every international tournament. He was really reliable two way, you know, two, three, all three zones, super foot guy. Pelche has been playing Pelche's game, fearless, breakneck, basically, uh, you know, he's basically a French Canadian version of Majapani in terms of yeah. his speed, his tenacity, the bite to his game. And he's, you know, he's about, I'd say maybe 20 pounds, you know, actually, no, I think he's a little bit, he's maybe like 10 pounds lighter than, than, uh, than the bread man, but you know he'll he'll put on and some Redman's also had has a few years extra years with the pro gym trainers too and, right and, like, I, and I think that's like the the fact that Pelche was able to translate his game from the Q to the AHL the land of giants at times and just he he just got it right away he took him maybe a week or two weeks or like by like the end of his first seven games he had sort of figured it out and he was super consistent he was very good on you know granted he had the benefit of mike we hear you matthew phillips on his flank and a rotating carousel of oh, very good centers razichka was a great center he played have. he played at times with godden who's very good razichka mm-hmm. who's very good with uh, uh apparent occasionally byron phrase also very good like he did not ever play with a bad ahl center and no, so he had a, a center that knew what what that was needed to be done and and like defensively yeah. I, I've so, been Pelche at the World Juniors, the 2021 World Juniors. When camp started, people were questioning whether or not he'd even make the team. But he always is the defensive motor of his line. Yeah. He's always in the right spot. He's always back. He knows how to forecheck. He knows how to go into group scrums. He he he's got he's got I would argue Backlund's defensive awareness combined with Mangiapani's tenacity. So I do not know yeah. if Jacob Pelche will ever be a really impactful offensive player offensively his ceiling might be second line but he's gonna be potentially like he's a pro leak level like just he'll you know look at michael Froelich. michael Froelich was michael Froelich basically from when he broke in the nhl until like he his body basically sort of slowed down a bit and he wasn't quite michael Froelich anymore and then he sort of went into his farewell tour a bit but Froelich for about over a decade just played hard minutes and did it well and did it so he did such so many things to make your team eat you know your 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 lives easier so i think coronado is gonna be the guy who's gonna be on the more highlight reels as we've seen already this week mm-hmm. but i think i think you know i think pelche the defensive acumen gets put aside a lot of times like people don't mention it the scorers are the ones that get the attention but it's it's even more, if not even more important than the goals is making sure they don't go in your own net and being able to work in a system in that, that a coach has in place and not deviate from it or try to do your own thing and, and know how to build the mold. Peltier is a, is, is a 
team player all the way, does what's asked of him, does, does it well, learns how to do it quickly and thrives and then just grows from there. He he's learning to see the ice better. Uh, and, and one more time, I cannot understate how important Jonathan Huberto is going to be for him. Having another French Canadian player in that locker room, he can ask him any question, anything he wants to and, learn. And let's, it's let's be amazing. honest here. I think, uh, let's put it this way. I think it was pretty tough to be Matthew Kachuk his first year, Sam Bennett, his first year. Johnny Gaudreau is starting to set his first year because I, you know, I've, I've been Looks covering like the, the first three, six games. Like yeah. Sven, Sven Berchi, there was the big questions about, you know, he was touted as like the savior of the franchise. I think at one point, Jay Feaster referred to him as potent, as the, the team's next face after Jerome McGinley. And I think that was just, you know, they, he was, was mean. I, I love, I really like Sven. I think he was. He also said Jankowski was going to be the best player in his draft class. So, I mean, they were confident. They were confident in their, in their guys. But I mean, like Monaghan his first year got up a lot of attention early. He had the benefit of having Giordano and other guys around, uh, you know, you know, Bennett came in, you know, he came in late in the season and he got a lot of attention. You know, I think there's a lot, it's, it's tough being, a high, high end prospect or a high, mm-hmm. high end draft pick. Uh, you know, Goodrow when he came in, he kind of came in with so much hype after the after being so good in college. The whole I think league, the, yeah. I think the nice thing with Pelche is if you know, I've seen a lot of folks penciling him in potentially as a as a third line winger alongside Monaghan. Who knows what happens in camp? But I think if he makes the team, the benefit for him will be, you know, they'll have you know, he's not gonna be the shiny new toy. You're gonna have Mackenzie Weger. You're gonna have Huberdo. You're gonna have any number of other people yeah. in on the team in there, and he'll be he'll be he'll get his attention. But I mean, you're gonna have a lot of other guys. You know, Lindholm with his Selkie finalist, uh, you know, plaque. I assume they get something for finishing second. Uh, you know, uh, Vezina runner up. I don't know uh, Jacob Markstrom. Like they have a lot of guys who had good years. who are gonna get a lot of attention, and I think again, like having. Having Huberto there, somebody from the same, you know, same part of the country, also a bilingual guy, someone who's just able to sort of, who's been there. Like uh, Huberto came in and he was a highly touted player. And oh, granted, more so than Pelche ever was. He was, too, he, was so. he was a high draft pick and granted he was playing in South Florida. And I don't think the media attention in South Florida is the same as the media attention in Calgary, but he still, he still, he had to go through it. And I think if the idea is you want to set up your kids for success, him being able to, you know, Pelche being able to be mentored potentially by someone who's been there, done that, gotten to the other side, and turned out to be a, a very excellent professional hockey player at the NHL level, that's only going to be good for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be able to do the same kind of thing with Coronado, because if Coronado starts, Coronado will potentially come in in, like, March. And well, it'll Coronado be- of it all, like, he... I, 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 when he slowed down that he should have, he went from playing guys, his own age to guys that were four years older than him. So when he, when he had finally had time to figure it out and find the space, he, he thrived. He, and now he was got a whole season. He was doing that while like guys, this, this will, this will, as they said in the, in legally blonde, what, like it's hard. Harvard's not for everybody. Like no. Harvard, Harvard is tough. And I think the, I think we, we discount, for especially, you know, the, the big transitions in people's lives, professional hockey and otherwise, you're going from, you know, like if you're, if you're, if you're Pelche, Pelche's first year, he was going from living with Billets in, uh, in Moncton and, uh, oh God, mm-hmm. I forget where he played at the end of, after he left Moncton. Oh, Val Dior. Val Dior. Thank you. But yeah, he was, he was, 
he was playing in the queue, living with billets, to going to live on his own and, and rooming with guys. And you got to figure out how to not starve to death and not to burn down the place trying to cook chicken parm and also adjust to playing against hockey against 30 year old guys. This is their, this is how they make a living. Same with Coronado, like Coronado going from playing in, you know, in the USHL against guys much younger than him in some cases and, and smaller, and, and, smaller and everything else and doing high school stuff to suddenly, holy crap, you're in friggin' Harvard and you're playing on a team that's very, that's, Harvard's, Harvard's been very good for a while. They've been consistently good under Tendonato. And so the expectation is they're going to stay good. So if you're playing yeah. for Harvard, you got to make sure you're, you're, you're learning your stuff, you know, off the ice. Yeah, and they don't go out and just recruit anybody. Like they don't just go hand out recruitment passes to anybody. Like they, it's, it's an elite school. You, you have to be invited to play for them. You can, it's not just like a, you apply and, and like, Hey, I play hockey. Come look at me. Right. Like, no, it's it, Harvard has scouts yeah. themselves. Well, you, yeah, you, you get recruited, them. but you also have to meet their academic guidelines too. You, yeah. You have to have the right GPA to even start to go there. Like, so Coronado's had to have the grades since high school. Yeah. He's, so he's figuring focused, out how to live alone driven and also not starve to death and also how not to flunk out of Harvard. And also you're trying to, get ready to play for hockey in a year or two. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on that he managed to navigate. And so I I'm, I'm really curious what ends up happening. Like this is going to be a fascinating hockey season for the flames in a lot of different respects. Ooh, yes. I think, you know, at the, at the American league level, like, you know, Rory, Rory Karens is going to start playing pro this year. Uh, they're going to have those two new defensemen, you know, Yan Kuznetsov and Jeremy Poirier graduating from the two. We don't uh, talk about Kuznetsov enough either too. They're, they're, they're going to have, you know, Oscar Dansk uh, trying to push Wolf and make sure that he gets, you know, iron sharpens iron, make sure that he gets into NHL shape for too long. He's pretty damn close. So, uh, but I, I think for, for me, the thing I have sort of in the back of my mind is Coronado watch. Cause I don't think it's a matter of this. No, it's when it's when he's, he's growing at an exponential rate and it's just a pleasure to be able to watch him play against the, it, it, he just went from now playing against men all year. Now he's playing against guys his own age. Now, some of those guys are the same skill level. Most of them are still a little bit below him. Uh, that's, that's why he likes to step up. The fact that they slapped Nyes and Cooley with him means the coaching staff understands his value as well. Cause those are some premier players on that roster. And it's, it's, th- th- that's a line that's expected to score goals and it's, ex- a line that's expected to produce for the United States. So it's fun to watch him. He'll be put in lots of situations. Like you said, he got his points on the power play here to, uh, the other day. It, it's worth it. Flames fans tune in uh, or heck if you're in Edmonton, well, if you're a Flames fan in Edmonton, first of all, sorry, condolences. second of all, second of all, go to the arena because there's tons, uh, well, a few seats, I think there might be a few. Open. And uh, before we go any further, uh, we got to talk about some sad news. Uh, ben Stel- Stetler, uh, you know, if you if you were following the Flames during the Battle of Alberta, you're following the Oilers in any way. And honestly, let's be honest, if you were just paying attention to Canadian hockey in any way of last year, you probably saw, you know, Ben's story. Ben, unfortunately, was diagnosed with a, a brain tumor. And, you know, he went through any number of just really crappy uh, treatments and, you know, uh, the recovery from them. Uh, and he became basically the Oilers mascot. Uh, you know, he's that little guy with the chubby cheeks who just shouted, play La Bamba, baby. And it was just 
know, it was so much fun. He seemed like he was having a blast and the Oilers players, whether you like that team or not, seemed like they were really jazzed and energized by his presence. And unfortunately we found out uh, on Tuesday, actually Wednesday afternoon, uh, from from his father's Twitter account that Ben unfortunately passed away. So, uh, you know, we want to give our shout out to, to Ben's family and you know everyone who everyone who was touched by Ben because you know just even from afar it was such a blast getting to see him experience hockey and you know on you know it's a game and it's meant to be fun and Ben made it more fun. So uh, we want to give a shout out to them. Uh, if you if you have uh, you know the the means to do so, really encourage you to donate to Kids Cancer Care. I believe is the one in Calgary. Uh, there's another one in Edmonton whose name escapes me, but you know, uh, kids children's charities, they do a lot to make the, the, the battles from folks, you know, with folks like Ben and other people through, you know, this terrible, terrible time easier makes, you know, it's never gonna be fun, but they try to inject some fun into it. So if you have, you know, any, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, any, anything that you can give them will help. And uh, you know, again, you know, donate in Ben's name, donate in any of your family members' names, but, you know, we just want to take some time to give a shout out to Ben and his family and at a very tough time, you know, we're, our thoughts are with you and we hope you guys are doing okay. Uh, a kid, uh, a kid brought a lot of heart, not yeah, just, it's, to, not just to the a, organization, but the entire city, the, he's just, the entire he's, province. It's like was, such a cool kid. And, you it know, was special. Yeah. And special. You know, no matter, no matter what side of the battle of Alberta you on, you, I guarantee you Ben made you smile at least once. Oh, I always, I, I just thought what they did for that young man, that young kid, that yeah. Connor McDavid and the Oilers made his life so special. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it was. If, just if you're, if you're a diehard Flames fan, plug your ears for the next thirty seconds. The Oilers I, work. You, you, you remember that? Remember when Andrew Ference was the captain with the Spider Mabel stuff? They had yeah. uh, that little girl who was going through. I believe she was going through another illness, and yeah. she dressed up like Spider Man and basically went on a wacky adventure of the city that the Oilers and Andrew Ference helped help them. So I, I think you know you can cheer for them or against them, but I think there's you know there's obviously a lot of good people working for the organization up Highway Two. So uh, it's always it's you know it's always nice. There's there's I think there's more you know, we, we hear a lot about the bad stories and there's obviously definitely some bad in the sport, unfortunately, but I think, you know, when there, when good stuff happens, you want to, you know, want to think about the good stuff and really put a, as much a shine on the good stuff as you do put a spotlight, on the bad stuff, because, you know, ide- ideally the good outweighs the bad and, you know, you gotta do what you can to get rid of the bad, but also make sure that we keep the good in it too. Um, speaking about good, this will be the most awkward transition we've ever done. So, uh, Hopefully, folks, you got a chance to go to Montana's uh, the 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 Rib Fest tour stop on Friday. Uh, we we're told it was a good time. People had some very tasty food and very tasty ribs. Uh, the folks uh, at the at Oilers Nation posted a lot of photos from the uh, the trip they had up north. Uh, a lot of messy faces. Uh, hashtag Get Montana's Messy. Uh, but if you missed the stop and are still craving some ribs. We'd strongly encourage you to uh, go to Montana's and check out their all-you-can-eat rib fest. It runs from now until uh, September the 12th, and it features all-you-can-eat pork back ribs. Uh, and also for a limited time, try their big grill combo. So the big grill, the big, big grill combo tr- or trio combo includes, Shane, four bones of in-house smoked pork back ribs, uh, a fire-grilled chicken breast, both of them sauce to your liking, and here's the key, two grilled shrimp skewers brushed with a garlicky Cajun glaze. For a carnivore that, like me, that sounds absolutely You got three kinds of meat and none of them are, are pure red meats necessarily. They're all various shades of meat. So you're not going to get too, too, uh, 
too full of too much. Uh, and then, of course, they come with freshly baked cornbread and your choice of in-house baked beans or coleslaw and seasoned fries. So, again, runs at every Montana's Give restaurant me. through September 12th. Uh, you know, and of course, September 12th, Flames, Flames Camp. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Opens the week after there. So if you're going to go to Rip Fest, you have a bit of time to get into training camp shape. And yes, round is considered a shape. If you're on the hockey club, probably don't want to be in that shape. But if you're just watching hockey like many of the rest of us, you don't need to be in too good a shape. You just need to be able to get up the stairs as long as, long as I, I'm in good enough shape to walk up to the press box. I consider it a good start to the season. Yeah. If you can, if you can, uh, if you can successfully hold a beer and a pocket dog and watch the game, you're, you're doing all right, folks. So Shane, so Shane, last week we recorded a podcast and then the day after the podcast, yeah. friggin' nine o'clock, grad your living did some Brad, more business he, uh, at night too. Like, like, like at night when is, I, like, I'm finally settling in, I'm like, okay, nothing good is going to happen. Bam. So we do we do baby. So Jonathan Huberdeau, as some of you may remember on, uh, I believe the 22nd of July, it was the 22nd. I'm bad mm-hmm. at dates, uh, but late, uh, late July, the flames acquired Jonathan Huberdeau from uh, the Florida Panthers in exchange uh, as part of the, the Matthew Kachuk trade, Matthew Kachuk signed a long-term deal with, the Florida Panthers. It was a sign and trade. So technically the flames signed the deal, but Florida negotiated and said, file this with the league. Uh, and then they did. So, so it's sort of a flames. It's technically a flames contract, but they had no part in outside of 
and I think Brad said it's the first actual one in league history. Yeah, because the 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 pure the, the heart of the sign and trade is you negotiate it and I'll just file it on your behalf and then trade the guy. Uh, yeah. So history was made in that respect. History was made with the Huberto trade or the Huberto contract. So it's the mm-hmm. it is uh, it was smart. Eight years, ten point five million dollars a year. Very heavy on signing bonuses. I believe $61.5 million in signing bonuses on an $84 million deal. So it is signing bonuses are about as much as they committed to Monaghan. Not more. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the signing bonuses alone. It is the the largest contract in Flames history. It is, see if I remember the top of my head. So, $84 million is the largest deal in Flames history. Uh, If you include Kachuk, it is a little bit more than Kachuk. If you, if you think Kachuk wasn't really a flames deal because it was a sign and trade, then the biggest flames contract ever was Sean Monaghan who made four, who is currently in the final year of a deal that pays him 44.625 million. So it is almost $40 million more than Sean Monaghan's making with the flames from a, uh, the, a length perspective. It is depending on whether or not oh. you count the, the, the Kachuk deal. It's an eight year deal, which is either outright the longest deal the flames have ever made or tied with Kachuk. It, uh, the second okay. longest one was Sean Monaghan, who got seven years. Again, this is the final year of that deal. And in terms of AAV, in terms of cap value, $10.5 million is the largest Flames deal ever signed. It beats both Kachuk's deal with Florida and the the one spiritually I feel is the biggest Flames deals. Uh, John, or, uh, Matthew Kachuk's previous Flames deal was $7 million for three years. $7 million each year for three years. Mm-hmm. And he was tied with uh, the gentleman who had that, uh, who had a $7 million cap hit for many, many years. You might've heard of him. Hockey Hall of Famer, Jerome McGinley. So, 12, right? Yeah. yeah Hawk and Lube, unfortunately, never made $7 million. That's a shame. He was good. But yeah, Jerome McGinley, previous mate, seven. So uh, in terms um, of, in terms of the Flames, you know, wanting to not have to have a Jonathan Huberto, will he, won't he saga, looming over the entire year and based on the summer they just had i can see why they wouldn't want to do that it was it was a smart thing for huberto to do because oh, what, if you're huberto you're are you going to get a better deal than that you you just had a 115 point season you just switched teams you have no idea how you're going to play with your new team an injury could derail it all that jazz it was not if he was looking for a payday it was not in his best interest to go into the season without a contract. <laughs> Financially, it made the most sense for him. And trust me, his agent, his agent's very public and, and has his own podcast, but he's not, he's his agent for a reason. And he got him a great deal. And it was, it, it was good for Huberto because it's, there was no guarantee. If he puts up 82 points in 82 games next year, are you paying him 10 and a half? Hey, Hey, I don't think so. All I'm going to say is I don't if you're going to so. plug the podcast, plug it properly. Uh, on the Agent uh, Provocateur the from the SDPN with yeah, the, Adam the, Wild and our boy, our agent, Alan Walsh. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting podcast. Uh, Alan I listen Walsh, to it all the time. So. Yeah, it, Alan, Alan Walsh, I, I really enjoy Alan Walsh because Alan Walsh uh, mm-hmm. very famously was also the agent for the aforementioned Michael Froelich. And Alan Walsh, for, you know, for better or for worse, Alan Walsh is a guy who really advocates for his players. He's very up. He's very public about his distaste for the hard salary cap, which you should be hating if you're uh, any kind of a player agent uh, because it lowers how much money's in the system. 
Uh, he also does not like how the NHL is handling brain injuries and CTE, which again, if you are advocating for the players, you should hate uh, because you know, the, the science behind concussions and, and uh, CTE is just nasty. Just Google Chris Nowinski CTE. Uh, I believe they changed, they keep changing the name of, of the Institute that Chris Nowinski is affiliated with. It was the, the brain, the something brain Institute at Boston university. Anyway, the <laughs> read up on it. Cause the, you know, the, the science behind traumatic brain injuries is just nasty. And that's why there's a lot of discussion about, you know, what, what, how, you know, should they be taking headshots, fighting anything out of the, out of the league entirely as an aside fighting is illegal. That's why there's a penalty. But, you know, I think if you, if you want to have a, a discussion about whether or not all headshots inadvertent or otherwise should be penalized as severely as fighting is I'm, you know, that's not, that's not the time to do it today, but I'm willing to entertain the discussion because yeah, human yeah. brains are weird. Like well, it, science it, is the science is ongoing, and it's actually and, it's, and it's the, yeah, spearheaded the, by tons of former players the, um, from all sports. The, the more, hockey. the more, like just over the last couple of years, just you know, I think the I think all the weird bullshit that people have dealt with health wise, just from getting COVID, like a simple, a, a relatively simple coronavirus, over the last couple of years, I think have made people, and hopefully should, hopefully ha- has made people a little bit more open minded about the science around uh, about traumatic brain injuries because brains are weird. We don't understand brains very much, but everything we learn about brains, we're going, ooh, that's weird, man. That's that's rough. So yeah, I don't check that out. Yeah, I, I love I love Alan Walsh because Alan Walsh he he stands for the things he stands for. He's a former prosecutor uh, in Los Angeles. The guy's life story is phenomenally interesting, and the guy and just he, he's got his players' backs, and, he and got he's a, honest. Whether you, like him or, whether you like how he does things or you don't, you got to respect how he does it because he is so unabashed about his advocacy for his players and the things he believes in. It's hard not to admire the guy. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in, terms, in terms of the deal he, he hashed out with Bradley Living, that's a damn fine deal. I think, I think right now, I think it protects the player a bit more than the team. It's almost buyout proof based on how much of – the, the deal signing bonuses again i believe it's 61.5 million out of 84 million dollars value <laughs> not so, as buyout proof as kachucks is so it's super it's so close though like it's it's almost yeah it's, level it's luke level buyout proof kachucks is luke level huberdo's take like two notches down the ladder like maybe like a half notch it's it's yeah. but so it's it's the kind of thing where you know huberdo is 29 and that he's going to be under contract for the flames his new deal doesn't take doesn't start until next year uh, so we have an entire year under his $5.9 million deal before he almost doubles his pay. Yeah. So he's nine years. Like I know we yeah. eight year extension, but he's a flame yeah. uh, right now. It's an eight year extension that years. starts when he's 30 in a year. Yeah. They only have five guys signed past three seasons. So yeah. there's a, there's a lot that could happen after this year or going forward. The flames if, are in a very fluid situation. Yeah. There's, I, there's I, the, the, I, the I main if, pieces locked in right now are Anderson, Mange and Hubie. Yeah, and the goalie. And Markstrom, but they've also got the future in that well yeah. planned out for. Yeah. But I, I I think if I think if you're true living, I completely get why you do it now because like, you know, you don't want to he's good and you put got him put in the deal because you think he's very good and he can be the guy for you for the foreseeable future. And so you want to get that deal done. And if you're if you're true living, like if you're if you're the flames, you probably go, okay. If you wait a year, maybe his AAV comes down, maybe. But if he waits a year, maybe you're having a conversation with him going to market and seeing if he can get a better deal somewhere else. So you got to remember he was uh, protection either way. 
he wasn't playing with the best players in Florida either. He wasn't on the same line as Barkov. He was on a line with uh, some former flame, Sam Bennett and Sam Reinhardt. He was with Sam's for most of the year. Well, Barkov was with Verhage and Duclair. He's going to, he's going to be stapled to Lindholm. Like barring, barring some random experiment from Mr. Sutter, Huberto and Lindholm will be stapled together. Who their winger is. I don't know. It could be Mange. It could be Dubé. It could be, Coleman, we don't, could we don't know. It could be a bunch of different people, but Huberto and Lindholm will be stapled together. Yeah, okay. and Lindholm is a hell of a shooter. Lindholm has the best shot on the team, and having Huberto being able to feed him the puck is not insignificant. Okay. It, it what, keeps Lindholm uh, at a 40-goal projection for me personally. Does, does, 35. Anything, does anything about the Huberto deal make you nervous? I, you have to if – you, if you let him go, you just lost players for nothing in a one-off shot again. Like, like you needed to do something and you need to have someone of significant value within your organization. I, I like it. I don't, th- everyone's like talking about worrying. He's been a point per game player for four seasons. I, my, my, seasons, my thing is like. His defensive I, I, metrics I, aren't I, great, but everyone else on the team. You, you is. mentioned, you mentioned this, the idea of, you know, having a, only a few guys locked in for a while. I think that's the important part because, mm. you know, is, okay, let's be honest. Like, is is Lindholm a better player than Huberto? Points wise, no. Defensively, yes. I think it'll. Sure. But I think overall, you're going to pay for production, so you're probably going to be paying Lindholm less than Jonathan Huberto long term. And Huberto I think is a good. It I think, sets the bar though. Like, it's and, and that's. that's the, I think. I think that's the thing for me because uh, uh, we'll we'll get into this in a second. So the the two contracts, I think the two most important contracts that are coming up for the Flames in a couple of years are. Elias Lindholm and, yes. and uh, Noah Hannafin. Yes. And so your best forward is Jonathan Huberto. Your next best forward signed for a while is Adu Majapani. And so you have a guy making 5'8 and a guy making 10'5. And all you know is, okay, Lindholm's going to fit in somewhere here. Yeah, he's and, not going to go over. He's not going over Huberto. And I, I no think, one will go over Huberto for as, probably think, as long as it took to go over a Ginla. Yeah, so I, I th- and oh. I think if the if the idea is you want to set your salary structure as much as you can in terms of roles, in terms of whatever, your veteran guy who scored 115 points, who's been in the league for forever, who's done every who's done everything but win a Stanley Cup, he's your top paid guy, yep. and then everyone falls under there. So I think for forwards the slotting works, and for defensemen, I'm really curious what they do. I think that I know you know the this, uh, Volgy, uh, that, that TSN mentioned. He talked to someone who's basically said the the, the Flames are going to really start talking trick with Mackenzie Weger very soon. Mackenzie mm-hmm. Weger by default is the Flames' best defenseman. Well, it's and, not by and, not by a lot, but he's probably the best defenseman. Well, the the Flames have their long term deal that they signed Anderson to to compare a bit. Point total wise, Anderson's actually had better point totals. Um, Uyghur has way better defensive. But, but, we, but Uyghur's four years older. That as well. So Uyghur's going to get UFA years paid. But And that'll please pay a bit. But that but sets the sets ceiling, a, though. But it sets a baseline for the team. Like if we're I don't paying Rasmus. You're, you're, you're not the baseline, man. That sets the ceiling. The Anderson, I'm talking Anderson's. No, yeah, Anderson sets the sets like the the median, but I yeah, think, yeah, like like like, okay, everyone, like, like Weger, Weger will be more five. than that at least, but how much more based on production versus defensive action? But especially 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 with Hannafin coming up for a new deal, Weger signed to whatever deal he gets, and I assume he's going to sign something, or the Flames are going to try to get him to sign something before the season begins. Yeah. Once you get Weger done, you got your goaltender signed for a while. 
You got your best center or your best forward in Hoverdo signed for a while. You and your best defenseman signed for a while. And then, and then two right shot defensemen signed for over four years. Yeah. So then you're slotting, you're slotting fits, and then it's just a matter of finding who fits around them. Well, and then this this year's important too, because because the flames are so deep on defense, they eventually might look at moving one, depending how everything slots out. I don't know I, if you're gonna find a more salary efficiency though. Like, I think that's my big issue with that. It's, I think, it's, I think all, it's all, it depends how the season actually goes that how, how the, the on ice results dictate your moves. So and, okay, here, here's, here's a side question for you. So uh, the flames blue line looks fairly well set at least for the next year or so, because mm. they got what? At least two. Uh, two. They got the right. They got, they've got, they've got Anderson Weger. Well, we are for one, but Anderson Weger, Tanev, and then Zadarov, Shillington, Hannafin. Yeah. That's a so great top six. May, you know, and they got they have a couple of years for for Zadorov, so that gives them a bit of time. And yeah, so and, and, I, and, and if and if the idea, if the idea is if you're thinking in an, I, I could just thinking out loud, if you look at the Flames depth chart and their prospect guys, in goal, you got Wolf coming. And maybe he not be he might not be a starter right away, but in a year or two, maybe he's hmm. maybe he takes over for Vladar and then you know, he can start spelling off uh, Markstrom as Markstrom gets deeper into his 30s. That makes sense. For forwards, you got, you know, Connor Zary, who's going to be pushing for a job pretty soon. He had a very, very good yeah. second half of the season. Not for quite Coronado good, but relative to his position in the organization, quite a good second half. He was very good in the last six, seven weeks of the season. Uh, so he's your he's your the center making a push. You got a Pelche who will be potentially That's a middle right. six guy this season if he has a good camp. And if not in this season, next season, uh, you have Coronado who potentially could turn pro in the spring. So you, you, you know who your next people up in terms of your goaltender and your three main forward positions. And then you have Rory Karens. You got, you got some secondary guys on the forward ranks pushing. Jack Beck, baby. You have more question marks on defense organizationally than any other position. And the one thing I like is that Zadarov and Chillington are both two years, right? You see how they do this year, see how they do in a next year at any point in time, you can negotiate at any point. You're not limited by the, you signed a one-year deal. We can't talk till January. Soon as the clock ticks over, they could potentially renegotiate again. Not likely, but if they go two years down the line, where is Kuznetsov? Where's Jeremy Poirier? They're two years into their yeah, stock and yeah. they should be pushing. They, for the time. I, I, th- I think these deals I think the trades and the, and the signings that Flames have made are very make it very challenging for Connor Mackey or Yusuf Alamaki to yeah. really come in and be considerable NHL players. Which, you know, it is what it is. But I think I think they I think it's a an acknowledgement that maybe the next guys up aren't quite ready yet, and they might not be able to come in and help in as much ways as they could. And to be honest, at least one of those guys between you know between Nick Maloche. Uh, Valamaki and Mackey. One of those guys is probably your seven, unless they ask Michael Stone again. As an aside, okay, we'll get to that in a sec. We'll get into the Stone of it all in a second. But so they're going to have one of those guys as their seven. They're going to get a pretty good AHL group, and I think they've they've done a good job. I think, but like, as you said, buying Kuznetsov and Poirier some time. Yeah, as in, well, they've, they've if, got if Kuznetsov, time. They don't need to rush. I think if I think you want to hopefully have one of those guys look like he can push for for some nhl time by like mid-season of a second season there's but one more it's not something you need like. to have there's one more defenseman i personally like that not no one ever mentions and that's Ilya solovyov 
And like I said, I'm talking about replacing depth third pair he's, guys here. He's your he's your seven. Yeah, well, that's his what, ceiling. Right? His ceiling might be a seven, but he'll never break the bank. Well, that's that's like, he's a good like you. You still need those pieces to compete with the cap. They, they've got their top end guys. If they yeah. get Uyghur signed, they've got and we for, we tend to forget. Anderson and Hannafin are young yet. They are on the south side of 26. There is a lot of runway left with both of them. Here's here's my question for you, young man. Yes. Uh, so Michael Stone lives in Calgary. Is in the in the Stampede Parade. He's a Calgary boy. If he's my guess is if he's playing anywhere in the NHL next year, he's playing in Calgary. It's that here's, or league mid in Vegas. Here, no, here's my question for you though. So let's just say he's like the 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 rumor that won't go away. And it's usually people on Twitter going. He, 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 they're going to announce Stone soon. I don't know that they are. I don't know they're not. All I know is the same kind of thing happened last summer, and then he ended up signing for League Men and sticking around all year as the seven. He's a very good seven last year. Very good seven. You know, outperformed his contract by a country mile and barely played, but was always ready. And so here's my thing. What if they sign him and they throw him on waivers? Because my thing is, like, he's, I think he's a guy, a Calgary guy. His family's in Calgary. Kids are in Calgary. Family's in Calgary. You know, Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. That's why he's willing to play for as little as he was because he has roots here and he loves the city. Will he clear waivers at league men based on his body of work last year? I I think, no, I think well, he's a veteran. You, he wouldn't mind him in your locker room. If you're a younger team that needs to fill up backfill positions and you're not completely there. I mean, I'd take him. He, he's, he was, his metrics were terrible pre-sutter. Okay, they were bad. They were very, very bad. A lot I trashed him a were. lot. A lot of guys were though. I trashed him a lot. I was unfair to him. He picked it up. He simplified his game. He huh. only, quit rushing. Was the he's main. A, he's thing. a he's a metronome. He's yeah, yeah. You know, but he, he'll give you twelve minutes a night, and they'll be good minutes. Here's the thing: multiple players from Calgary's blue line are gonna have to clear waivers. They can't all stay. Yeah. They have to. So they have to either try and get an asset for someone before before they waive them for nothing someone with a little bit of term and maybe a bit of potential under their name possibly there there are going to be but just right now let's see dennis gilbert is a quasi nhl or he's what ryan Pender would call a quad a guy good offense defensively he's okay i think him and maloche him and maloche start in the market but like the, the flames are gonna have between two and four guys who could legitimately play in the NHL yeah, in, in the in American, the top league, the American league. It's, it, you know what? Based on, they lost Tanev last year. Like Tanev was playing so hurt and they didn't have the replacements. Oh, four. Who didn't you just write an article? Bre- on Brendan, Brendan Evans. Evans. <laughs> Did you just Brennan write an Evans, article? On Brennan Brennan Evans, Evans in flames history. Brendan Evans is the only player who's played postseason games, but never played a regular season game for the flames ever. Exactly. So the organizational depth is worth it. All they got to do is clear waivers once and you can put them down there and you know, they're there in case of emergency. Uh, that's, I, it's a gamble though. It's like, like, if I were them, if I were them, I'm thinking, well, you, you could don't put them as your seven. The, the one thing stone could do himself is what Jason Spezza did. Remember when the Leafs put Spets on waivers and he just straight up said to the whole entire league, if you claim me, I'm not showing up. Like if you claim me, I retire. But Stone's a little young for that. And if Vegas were to claim him, wouldn't you want to go play with your brother? Like, he's a pro. He's going to go play wherever the heck anyone pays him to play. And someone probably should pay him to play. 
Uh, he he feels like he feels like someone is going to get PT who's going to be a PTO maybe yeah. in Calgary. I don't know one way or the other, no. but he seems like someone who would be a PTO guy. And then I think by the end of the first week of camp, you'll probably have a good idea of who is in the mix to make it and who isn't. Yep. And yeah, and he'll. I he, I don't think he's clear though. Expensive, like you said, with the cap squeeze right now. It's kind of like a Robin Hood situation. The rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. Like the, the, the baseline guys are signing league men $750,000 contracts because that's all that's left for them to scrape and grab. So like Calgary's nice. Calgary pays their depth guys a bit more. They pay Kevin Rooney 1.3. They got Trevor Lewis at 800,000. So like they, they go a bit more over the, the bottom tier. Uh, I, I bet you, I, I, I bet okay. money. Here, here's a crazy ass idea for you. Here's a crazy idea for you. I love crazy. Okay. If you're Michael Stone, Michael Stone could probably make more money somewhere else outside of Calgary, right? Yes, he would. Okay. So if you're Michael Stone, would you be willing to play for, like, you're probably, he probably could be getting like a million, million change, right? Like low, low million ish, right? Yeah, I, I, I below right now, just with the, the how many so like teams are over the cap? So you're thinking like probably like, you know, nine, that 100, 800, whatever. Yeah, if, you were, if you were him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's play this game. Who says no? Michael Stone, one year league minimum with a no move clause. Oh, no, no move. No, I would never sign a league min player to a no move clause. Nope. No move clause ensures that he can't be waived. So he's, st- he's basically stuck as your seven all year. And he yep. has, gar- he has a guarantee that he's your seven, at least all year. You, you, you better be one of my best players. If you have a no move clause attached to you for any reason, or you've been the only, the only reason, the only reason I would oh. dangle that the only reason I could dangle that is going, if you're thinking he could make more somewhere else and you want to keep him, but you want to keep your cap it down. He's a league men. And you'd be able to squeeze him down from like a million or 900 down yeah. to seven fifty. You just, I, I fundamentally that I would never, I, I would, I would never, I would never even entertain the possibility that uh, maybe signing bonus. No, not even then you, you got our outside rookie contracts. You gotta be pretty dang good to get a signing bonus. So I just, it's just not in his cards. I, I, I think some team will play him. I think he'll go play somewhere else. I really he should do. play. He, he, should, he was like, really he was good last year. Doing what like thirty? He was, yeah. Like he, he, he was I, good. Like, oh, he like, was good, and he was good. Like when the Flames needed him, when they broke glass and went, else. oh no, what do we do? They broke glass and they had Michael Stone to fall back on. Few like teams in about the entire it league times last year. Few too. teams in the league had uh, an insurance policy as good as Michael Stone. And who's got a young defense that they want to test out, and they could put Stone in the press box? He'll he'll gladly collect his NHL paycheck. And play twenty games a year. He he just did that. He's so he's the he's the perfect seven. If he's the perfect seven, because he he he'll give you exactly what you expect. You you're not trying to develop him. He's too good for the minors. It's it's where he's at. I I'm a big. I've turned into a big depth stone guy. Daryl Sutter's changed the way I viewed hockey, and now these depth guys, I see value in them in different Hon- ways. Honestly, man, like the my once I started getting into the locker room and getting to know some of the players and sort of mm-hmm. some of the roles, I've. I think there's, I think you need to have the right people, the right people with the right mindset to be your backup goalie, to be your 13, 14 forward, and to be your seventh defenseman. Cause you need guys who do not mind that they're not playing a ton because they value the time they get. They don't feel entitled, but they're hungry. Like Dan Jordan Ladar, Martin, guys, right? Yeah, like Jordan, Jordan plays, but he, he's fourth line guy, but they've got a spot for him because he is the glue to their Carolina yeah. locker. 
But Dan Vladar last year, Dan Vladar was so happy that the Flames wanted him and that the Flames got him and basically said, Dan, here's your job. Yeah, you're our backup. We want you to be our backup. We're giving you an NHL job. We specifically went and grabbed you. And and, and honestly, him and and Markstrom and the goaltending uh, team, they basically said, Dan, your job is to make sure that that uh, that Jacob Markstrom's awesome next year. So your job is to make sure he's fresh and to push him, but make sure that when he needs a night off, you're there to be awesome. And it, it was they, they were the you know the you were you were in a tandem and the guy you're your guy you're backing up finishes second for the Vesna. It is you're, you're it in is. the you're in the Jennings conversation all year. It's hard for a rookie goalie to earn the trust of Daryl Sutter to play as many games as he did. It that that is that is if you look at the track record of Daryl and his seasons and how I often think, I think played, I think it's tough what what coming, he did last coming year off coming off the year the Flames had in 2021 yeah. I think so, so depressingly ended yeah, yeah it was like it was a bad year and as bad in as many ways you can and I think the Flames in some ways were risk averse to try different things and they could have gone out and they could have gotten 30 year old backup goalie they could have gone out and find okay, themselves with Jay McLennan Someone with yeah. someone like, reliable with minimal upside. Kari Ram went the other way. Jonas Hiller, the Brian Elliott, the 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 the, the hey, ten years. Chad Johnson. Don't forget yeah. about Chad Johnson. I never. Chad had a good year here. It's best was, year he yeah, played in the was, league. That was, was a good best year he played in the league. But, but that's the, that, like you could have. They could have gone for. Let's be honest. Boring. Low ceiling, low safe. high floor, safe picks. Safe. They, went with the, they went with a kid who barely played in the NHL before, and he was awesome. Yeah. And but I, I think I think you need to have the right types of people, the right types of personalities to be your seven or eight guys. And your, and your, if your Wolf, depth guys you never play because well, they have to be ready. Here's a question for you: If Wolf pushes, not maybe next year, but a year after Wolf pushes, you still got him as an RFA. Do you get the same value back for? Him? I don't think Dan Vladar is here past this season. But but no no that's not the question though. Do you think they get more value than they paid for for him? Because they paid a third round pick for him. Do you see anything bigger than that coming back? I think you can get a second for him. Or if if you get a third, I, I think he's if, raised, if, you, if he has if another, only I think you get at least a third. If you only get a third for two for two years of Dan Vladar, it's worth it. If you get anything more, then your your asset management is is going up. Even if I, I don't think I don't back. think Dan Vladar is your past twenty two twenty three. If you get a third back, you didn't pay anything for him. You just you just got him for two years, and you, you just used the contract slot for two years. The pick back, yeah. Like like so like the Dan Vladar acquisition. If is if fantastic. If, if the only thing that you accomplish with acquiring Dan Vladar is finding a guy to keep Markstrom fresh and buying two years of development time to get Wolf ready, it is worth it. Oh, every penny of that third round pick, and 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 if he has a great year this year. Like same or level, there's going to be a team looking for a young goaltender that might if, be. Hey, if he's just if he's nearly fine, if he's the same as he was next year, if he doesn't take a step, I think he easily get a third rounder back. Like how much do you see young goalies go? Like Cam Talbot left the Rangers. Georgie have just got a third and a fifth from uh, Colorado. Played a bit more than than Ladar has so far, but yeah, you're not but, wrong. But like the market, you you can get more back. So. I love that. That's one of my favorite moves Brad did going into last year was the backup goalie. I was a little iffy on the Zadarov and the Branson of it all, but Daryl took care of that for me. So yeah. we're all good. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm very curious what we what we end up ha- ends up happening in the next few weeks because you know we're what a uh, a little bit less than a month away from beginning of rookie camp. 
Oh, rookie camp. Five, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, I think we're five, uh, six weeks from training. I think the the second Thursday in you know, second Wednesday or second Thursday in September is when rookies report. Then they head to Penticton. They have a week in Penticton for or a weekend basically in Penticton. And then yeah. a day off. Then I believe the the Wednesday after that or Thursday after that main camp opens and then we're off and running. And then before you know it, we're going to be talking about the, the battle of Alberta 2.0 in the playoffs this year. Oh, we, we got it again. We gotta win this one. We got to do it again. That was too much fun. It was, it, how long was the wait again? 30 years. I don't want to think about how long it was. It was too long. It, years, was, it was the, years. this was the first iteration in my lifetime and I'm 28. So yeah, I don't really want to wait till I'm 56 to see that again. We've we've it's it's been a weird enough few years that we deserve back to back battles all part of the playoffs. So well, especially because the dynamic it's a completely different team. Like say what you want, Calgary is a completely different team up front, and even with Uyghur on the back end. So it's all different. This entire year is a I'd say half blank slate. What's what's the old saying, my friend? Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Uh, all I'll say is I was I was very privileged and uh, lucky to grow up in this market. Uh, I'm old, so I grew up in the, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, getting like the, the tail end of the glory days of the 80s Oilers and Flames. Holy crap, that was some fun hockey to watch as a kid. And we even don't talk about the 80s Flames enough because they were I, the second I don't best. Think it's, I don't think it's possible to talk about the 80s Flames enough. They, they were the second best team in the NHL for pretty much the whole decade. Yeah. And you know what Problem a lot of was it was the first best team played up the friggin' road. But you know, you know what a lot of it was though? A lot of it was keeping up with the Joneses. The Oilers do X, Y, and Z. The Oilers get players from the WHA. The Oilers get players from wherever. Flames got to get creative and find players to, to push them. They got, uh, they, their European influx was huge for them. The Magic Man, Hockenlund, like, like the players they had playing. Yuri Herdina, man. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't discount Yuri Herdina. I'm not. I'm they just got, the Flames man. managed to find. Some damn fine Russians, some damn fine Swedes, Macaron, damn man. fine Czechs. They were one of the first teams to really go all in on U.S. college hockey. And, Joe Newendike, Gary Suter, Joel Otto. Goal rookie season, Joe Newendike. Like, geez, yeah. that's insane, by the way. Anyways, yeah. where are we? We'll, we'll get into the history of it. Train went off the tracks, players. But, we, we got uh, nostalgic, folks. I, uh, yeah, I, I like the Huberto deal. I like what the Flames have done in terms of, I think if they can get Uyghur to – uh, a competitive contract. I think, I think they basically set the salary structure for the next few years. And I think, I think it goes a lot. Like, I think the idea of if you have your planks, if you're building a deck, you're building a house, you're building anything out of wood, you got to lay down your big planks first and then you fill in the gaps. And I think they signed their goalie. Yeah. Big plank. You sign your, your top line winger. Boom. Another plank. You, if you get Uyghur done this off season, whap, another plank down. And then, that's all your big business. And then you get to fill in the gaps. If even if Weger doesn't get signed pre-year after all those years in Florida, he'll play in one battle of Alberta, hear that crowd. And I don't like like going from that to that, I don't know if you could turn that down. Like the crowd alone, like the Canadian crowd. Now the media pressure is gonna be crazy, but the crowd alone, the crowd, the Canadian crowds are special. Whether it's Calgary, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Montreal, whether it's Vancouver, I don't care. The Canadian crowds are different. They're, they're they've they've got that passion inside of them. We're 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 horribly biased. We mean no disrespect to the fine people of South and Central Florida. You're you're loud in the playoffs. You've been loud. You've had reasons to be loud the last few years. 
uh, Canadian crowds are loud when nothing's happening. Yeah, like you could be That's down six, nothing. Like I was at the I was at a Flames game once. David Schlem, they were losing. Schlemko did a spin around behind the net, and the whole crowd, the entire saddle dome, started chanting, "Let's go, Schlemko!" For for like the next twenty minutes. The Calgary the Calgary Flames was a waiver claim. Calgary Flames fans turned David Hale, the hailstorm, <laughs> the man who set the NHL record for most Both games, games without a goal, score a first goal to begin a career. They turned the hailstorm into a freaking meme before it was really big on the internet before because memes people were a thing. <laughs> God bless David Hill. What a what a great guy. What I remember guy. that. Because uh, it took him like three years to score his first goal, didn't it? No, I think it was like 150 something games. Like, I'll double check that. But no, yeah, it was a lot more than it, that. It spanned it was... several teams too. Yeah. The hailstorm. Yeah. With with that, we might with after we we're never gonna top the hailstorm, so we might as well stop now. Uh Flames Nation Radio has been brought to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery, Rippert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flame. We'll be back in a week to talk about the world juniors and how they're going so far. More Coronado talk. And maybe we'll just, we we alluded to it this week. Next week, presuming that he doesn't sign in the next week at nine o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. Hint, hint. Brad, Brad, uh, stop it. Then we'll have a discussion about what do you pay, pay Mackenzie Weger? What would be what would be a good salary? What would be what would be too much, too little, too long, too short, too whatever? That's we've already talked about the first two planks. We'll talk about the third plank next week. For Shane and Ryan, thank you very much for joining us on Flames Nation Radio. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.